Welcome to the Dag Heward Mills podcast. Dag Heward Mills is a healing evangelist, a best-selling author, and a mega church pastor. He's the founder of the United Denominations originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, overseeing over 3,000 churches across every continent of the world. He pastors the First Love Church, a vibrant church in the city of Accra, transforming the lives of thousands of young people for the Lord. Now listen to Dag Heward Mills. valley of the shadow of death, deep in the midst of hell. Jesus is the answer for every problem in your life. Call upon him in your darkest hour. He will come like a shining light. Ooh, everybody needs the help of God to overcome their problems. God will sustain you. Everybody needs the grace of God to make it through this life. Oh, oh, oh. by the grace, by the grace, by the grace, by the grace, you will make it. God will take care of you. Oh, yeah. God will take care of you. There are rivers that you need to cross, rivers of raging waters. If you're going to make it to the other side, you need the grace of God. Oh, oh, Jesus said, I will be with you till the very end of the world. These words will carry you on through the storms of life. Oh, yeah. 
and your estimation about this serious situation.
I want to feel your excitement tonight. There's more coming. I said there's more coming. But tonight, I'm very happy you made it. We've been here the whole week. Don't forget we have tomorrow also. Aha. Uh-huh. But are we not so blessed tonight to have our father here? And I also want to appreciate the coming here of our mother, Episcopal Sister Sister Mami. We are very happy to have you here. But ladies and gentlemen, while you are still standing, I want you to help me to also say a big thank you to my father and my pastor. Not, not only for coming here tonight for Art of Shepherding Conference to minister, but for the many times he has been to Art of Shepherding Conference when we had them in the Bread of Life Cathedral. They are special moments for me. And I cherish them. And I want to say a big thank you to you, Daddy, for all the times you've come into our conferences to minister, to talk to us, to help us in the work. I also want to thank you on this day that we are dedicating this cathedral for coming here when there was nothing here. You stood there, you took the measurements yourself with your hands and showed us the dimensions of this building. And you kept guiding and helping in many ways. You've helped us, even with the office block. You've helped us today to have the Makane Cathedral and office block right here in Oyibi. It means a lot to us, Daddy. I want to thank you for the books. I want to thank you for the many teachings we've received over decades, which have made some of us pastors. We are so struggling to make pastors out of some of you, but there is hope for you. Yes. But tonight, I'm very happy that we have our father here. Since Tuesday, Bishop Nia Jedu and I have taught from the books. But tonight, the writer of the books is here. Please join me at our shepherding and let's receive. Let's receive the writer of the books. My father, your father, Bishop Daniel Mills. Clap your hands and let's receive him. What a blessing. Let us pray. Let us pray. Father, which art in heaven, we are blessed, excited to be here. We ask you to lead us in these few moments. We are grateful for helping us to serve you all these years and to keep on serving you. We're glad. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And I want...
first of all, my wife to bring a greeting before she sits down. Hallelujah. Well, we thank God for how far he has brought you in this place and for how far he has brought all of us, especially in the UD. This is my maiden visit to your cathedral. I've never been here. And it's an honor to be here. And it's also exciting to see your bishop and his wife, whom... whom we knew as students, <laughs> whom we knew as students in Kolebu, and then as shepherds, and then as student pastors, and then through Mataheko. It's been many years. So we thank God for lasting relationships and for the fruit of lasting relationships. And we thank you also for being here. And I trust that God is going to do greater things in the future. Thank you for having us. Amen. Wow. Thank you. You may be seated. You are excited. You are excited. just sharing with you for a very short time this evening and um, I hope you listen carefully because what I'm going to share is very important Amen Heavenly Father we are grateful and we thank you for your blessings guide us, lead us bless us to serve you better In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, this is the Art of Shepherding Conference. And we are very happy to be in this cathedral. It's my first time here. And um, we are so blessed at the great work that is being done over here. Amen. Amen. So tonight I want to just share with you ten things about shepherding. Number one, what is a shepherd? What is a shepherd? Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Amen. So, a shepherd is someone who prevents the scattering of people. So, that is why someone who even has a gift of a prophet, if he doesn't have a grace of a shepherd, the people will be scattered. And that's why Jesus said that They fainted and were scattered abroad 
as sheep having no shepherd. So when we talk about a shepherd, it's about someone who is going to gather people and prevent people from scattering all over the place. You see? And as you prevent people from scattering, that's what we call a church. Amen. That's what we call a church. Because people are prevented from scattering and being dispersed. And that is why Satan through slanderers and through wolves seeks to come in and take away people. That is the whole work of the devil. It's always to pick one. Pick one person. And then either drive the person out or catch the person with the mouth and then run with the sheep far away so that there are fewer and fewer people. So a shepherd is always preventing the scattering of people. So what is a shepherd is hidden in Matthew 9.36. The first part is that it prevents someone who is anti-scattering. Yes. And so many people can be shepherds because it is a job of preventing scattering. So when you have within you even natural traits of being a father, you know, sometimes you can have five children in the house, but one of the children is not the oldest, but he's like the father of the other children. Uh-huh. That's the, like a pastor. It's like a pastor of the house. Are you with me? Yes. All right. Then it is the work of refreshing the people. Mostly a pastor is an encourager. You know, the ministry of encouraging. Sometimes they, because the Bible says they fainted. They fainted. So everyone who is in the pastoral work must seek to refresh or encourage people. You know, because there's a lot of discouragement. There's a lot of things that would make you discouraged. So always bring in encouragement. And there are different ways. Some people encourage by talking and giving hope. And some people, even their voice is encouraging. Some people, even just coming around, you become encouraged. You just feel that everything's going to be okay. It's because he's a pastor. He doesn't even have even any solution to the problem. <laughs> but just being around you, it's, it's like the strength for one, one week more. That's a pastor's anointing. May you receive this grace of being a shepherd in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So that's point number one. Point number two, why you can become a shepherd. Why you can become a shepherd. Amen. Ephesians chapter four, verse 11. And verse 12. 
The Bible says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Amen. Amen. Verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. So, pastors and teachers perfect the saints for the work. Amen. If you look at the scripture, all that you have to do, I'm glad today I've got a very big comma. Look at this comma here. If you remove this comma, which was introduced by the translators, if you remove this comma, this particular, this particular comma is what changes the meaning of the, of the verse. If you change that comma, it means, take it out, it means for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. So that you perfect saints so that the saints will do the work. Do you see? So the work of God is to be done by saints. The work of God is to be done by saints. So apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers are here to perfect ordinary people who will now rise up and do the work. So that is why my second point is very simple. Why you can become a shepherd is because apostles, prophets, teachers are here, like I'm here now, I'm perfecting you to work. Because I don't know most of the people here personally. So how, how are they here? They are here because some people work. Not, not because I am working. I am perfecting because I'm an apostle. Apostle, the fruit of my apostleship is the churches. The churches that I, I have built is the sign of my apostleship. Okay, no, no. Don't, I don't know why you are clapping. But I'm saying that I am an apostle. So as I am preaching and I'm teaching, I'm teaching and perfecting people, not for business. You see, apostles and prophets don't perfect people for business. So we are perfecting you for politics. We are perfecting you for political leadership. We are perfecting you for, 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 for business, for entrepreneurship, for, for um, community assistance. No, we are perfecting you for the work of the ministry. Read it. We are perfecting you for the work of the ministry. So, we are, we are, so my, 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 my ministry is to work on you until you can work. Amen. And what work is that? The work of the ministry. Yes. So we are not trying to perfect you for business. See, so try to get the difference. You see, because you know, you have a whole lot of people trying to perfect one another for business. Do you see? I can tell you that God's work is a business. Jesus said, 
I must be about my father's business. And this business, the work of God, the business, the currency are souls, people. Do you see? People. That's, that's our currency. All right? Yes. And it's a great, it's a beautiful job. It's a beautiful job. It's a very great job to do. So don't let anybody deceive you. It's the best job. So I want to encourage you to become involved. Because I believe that if you are a saint, you can do the work. And one of the first and principal works is to prevent the scattering of members. There's always a slanderer. There's always a thief. There's always a wolf. Paul said, I know when I go, wolves will come. I know that as I'm here, when I go, there will be wolves. There will be people who come, grievous wolves, to scatter people. Look at that scripture. So I know this, that after my departing, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. They will not, they, will, they don't care about anything. They will scatter, in verse 30, the next verse. And as of your own, as also of your own self shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Now, there are people, the only way they can draw people after themselves, you see, the, the only way they know how to draw people after themselves is to say something bad. They don't know how to like, I've come to tell you about Jesus. No, I've come to tell you something bad about this person so that you don't follow this person. That, that's not an evangelist. And that person is not a pastor. That person is Absalom. That person is Absalom. They don't know how to witness or win somebody to Jesus Christ. So they don't come to speak to people about Jesus. They come to speak to people about somebody or about something. So I want you to know this story and to hear this uh, rumors or to say something horrible and to the reason is written there to draw away disciples after them. This is how, this is how, I recently met somebody, I realized that he actually doesn't, uh, he's a pastor, but I realized that he doesn't have the first inkling of how to be a pastor. Because his main way of drawing people into his fellowship is saying bad things about people. I mean, this is his main, you go and see this person that you meet you, you tell this person, go to this person's house, then you go and visit this elderly person, say this to this one, you go and see this person, say this. And I realized that, oh, this is how he understands ministry. Yes. This, this is actually the only thing that he, he's learned. He's not learned real ministry, which is talk about Jesus, talk about God, talk about whatever, for people to be interested in God. No, 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 no. This is what he knows. Of your own self shall men arise speaking perverse things, all right, to draw away disciples after them. So anybody you meet who has something to say about this one, something to say about somebody, always ask yourself the question. Do you see? And what question must you ask yourself? Am I looking at an Absalom like a real-life Absalom? Real-life Absalom. Yes, it's live. 
Yes. These are the questions you must ask yourself. Am I, am I, I mean, is it, is it real? I've read it in the Bible, but I'm seeing. He's speaking perverse things, seeking to draw away disciples after them. That's not shepherding. That's not the work of God. So I'm teaching you that you can become a shepherd if you understand this very simple shepherding work. Amen. Every one of you, because we, you can be perfected and you become a powerful shepherd. Amen. And you are not being sent to go and talk about anybody. No, 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 no. Amen. I remember one day Reinhard Bonke was coming to Ghana some years ago. At that time, um, I think the, the assistant or the person who was coming came to stay at my father's hotel. And before he could come, there was this man who came to the hotel and spoke to the evangelist people who were coming, who happened to be staying at the hotel. So many bad things about other other people. I mean, to pollute the person's mind before this person comes, so that they will not go there. And and, and you, you see that some people, the only thing they know is stories. Bad things. And, and it is to draw people after themselves. So when the next time you see one, just ask yourself, is it, is it real? Uh, am I looking at a real live Absalom? Amen. Amen. All right? Now, the second reason why you can become a shepherd is because all you need is a desire. A desire. I'm, this evening, I'm just looking for people with desires. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. If any man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. So, Paul said, look for people with a desire. How many here have a desire to do the work of a, a bishop? Oh, yes. That's, that's all that we need. Yes. You know, John Wesley was criticized for many things. Amen. John Wesley was criticized for many things. Amen. One of the things John Wesley was criticized for was the ease with which he appointed pastors. Yes. Because John Wesley said, look, if you have a Bible and a horse, do you see and I think a desire also. Three things that you can be. And then he will send you. Yes. Because you need a horse to move around. And then in the Bible. And then you believe that's all. Then start going. Oh yes. Many times the official pastors. They are even tired of the work. Yes. Many pastors have aged prematurely. I'll tell you something about the work of God. Old people cannot easily do the work of God. That one, I, I, will not, I don't want to pretend to you. 
I don't want to pretend to you. When you are old, you can't easily do the work because you need energy. Yes, you need energy for this work. It's true. And age, age is in your mind and in your heart. It's in your mind and your heart that you are old. Yes, it's in your mind and your heart that you are old. Do you see? One day I met a lady. Um, I, I don't know how old she was, but I think she was about 50. You know, and she, she was single. And she wanted a beloved. Do you see? No, I don't know why you are excited. She wanted a beloved. Because she was alone. She was lonely. Do you get what I'm saying? Now she is a beautiful lady. Now there are people I tell you, they have to tell you their age for you to even know their age. And she she was one of them. You wouldn't know her age. There are some people that age appears at a time. But before then, the age doesn't appear. You get it? So I said to her, there are some young men who wouldn't mind marrying somebody like the Derek Prince style, 25 years older. And I, and I, I said, I suggest, I mean, I was just, it was just a theoretical question, but she immediately froze. It's like a small boy. So I realized that in her mind, she was high up there, but in her body, she was like, 25 year old or a 30. But in her mind, she was high. So when you mention your age, ah, my parachute has taken me very high. My parachute has taken me high. <laughs> you see, the point I'm trying to make is that age is in the mind and the heart first. If, if your mind and your heart is not old, uh, if your mind and your heart is not old, you can have an old body, but you see that you are moving. Because I am as young as or even younger than some of the first love people that I have. Yes. Yes. And, and you see, that is why in the church, not only in this church, but in most of our churches are young people. And if you look on the televisions, in many churches, most of the people are elderly people. They're elderly people. In our churches, mostly they are young, young people. You think that, oh, these are children. I mean, it's a youth group. It's a large youth group and so on. Yes. So your heart has to be young. The songs that these people sing. Sometimes you see the elderly people when they are singing, call me, they'll be just looking. It's like, what are these? I mean, what are these childish things? What are these childish things? What are these childish things? But I wrote the song. I'm almost 60 years old. I wrote these songs. Yes. I wrote all these songs. It was not written by a young person. Okay, okay, okay. Nor was it produced by a young person. Yes. But people have aged 
in their minds and their hearts. So that's why the Bible says, if any man has a desire, but the old people, the desire for many things is gone. It's gone. It's finished. No, 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 no. No, I don't need it. I don't want this. So pastors, I just want to tell you, you know, your ministry ends with your age. In your heart. Your heart age. Your heart age. It's like your football age. Your heart age. Your ministry ends with your heart age. All right. Okay, I told you it's very short tonight. Now, the next um, point. I told you I was giving you how many points? Ten. Number three. How can you become a shepherd? Number one is you must have a desire. Amen. And number two, you must be called. Now, anything you have a desire, respect it. Even if you have a desire for something that you shouldn't desire, you should respect the fact that you have the desire. And, and, and that respect that you have for your desire reveals your understanding. That why do I have this desire? Why do you desire somebody who is not yours? You should, you should, you should respect that your, your, your flesh has desired something should alarm you. Yes. Why do you desire somebody's husband? Why do you desire somebody's wife? Why do you desire somebody's beloved? Why do you desire somebody's servant? So, the desire you have, you must respect. I've never had any desire to clean toilets. I've not had that desire before. So, it's like the absence of the desire is, is also showing you that it's like that, that calling is not there. The calling to clean toilets. Okay. It's not there. I've, I've never had that, that, that desire, even in the church. If I have to do it, it's fine. It's a duty. But the desire, not had it. So you have to watch for your desires. And also you have to watch for the failure of desires to exist. When you don't have any desire, it's showing you that your calling is not there. Your ministry is ended. Because your heart has died. Before you have died, your heart has died. Your heart has died before you die. No, you have to watch yourself. When you, when you see, like you say, you are tired. No, one day I said, I'm tired. And somebody was saying, I've never heard you say that before. I've never heard you say it before you are tired. Because I said, I'm tired. And the person said, I've never heard you say you are tired. Because it's something that doesn't come from my mouth. I'm tired. So when I said I'm tired, it, was, it has a meaning. Why, why do you suddenly feel tired? Why are you feeling tired? You never feel tired. It's a meaning. Yes. 
So when you have a desire, it's like, what do you desire? You desire God, you desire the ministry, you desire the church, you, you desire to serve God, you have to respect it. People don't respect desires. But one of the ways you die is when your desire goes away. Even, even, even psychologically, when the patient desires no more to live, he just dies. So, how you can become a shepherd is to respect desires. You must fear desires. You know, when you are drawn to somebody, you must respect it. You know, I read rejoiners books as though I'm reading the Bible. When I read rejoiners books, I consider that God has spoken to me. Yes. People read this book, they don't understand anything. But to me, it's something that I'm drawn to. When I read something, little privilege, I feel as though this is a message from God. This sentence and this sentence, a message from God for me today. That I'm supposed to do something. That's how I read those books. You have to watch and respect your desires, your interests. No, don't, don't just say so. I don't know why I keep on remembering this girl. You should know why you keep on remembering her. Number four. You must share the burden. Amen. You must decide to join in to share the burden of a pastor. Yes. Seven reasons why pastoring people is a burden. Number one, people are ungrateful. They are a burden because they are ungrateful. People are generally ungrateful. You see, before you bath today, smell yourself. That's if you bath. Yes. But I want you to know, just as the sweat comes out of you, ungratefulness just oozes out of you. Yes, ungratefulness. You can easily be ungrateful in this world. And children with a good father can be easily ungrateful because all that he has done for you is taken for granted. So daddy will do this, daddy will do this, daddy will do this. You know, one time I was preaching a message on become who you can become. And I was telling the pastors that I will not send money. We are not going to help you again. You have to become who you become. And one of them turned and said, it's not true. It's not true. He will send money. Yes. It's not true. It's like we know him. When we are hungry and we are dying, you think he will not send. He will send money to help us. That's what they said. You see, that is the attitude of spoiled children. They are used to everything being done for them. And even when you are warning them that from today, this is the end. No money in their head. You are just talking. 
tomorrow I will come and ask for more and I will get more. So, every one of us has to watch out. Pastoring people is a burden because naturally, before you realize, people are not grateful for what they have in Look at the church. It's built. Because, oh, oh, churches are like water. We just pour it open and then it comes. It's not that easy, eh? It's not that easy. Hmm. The Bible says Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. Second Chronicles chapter 32 and verse 25. Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit that was done to him. For his heart was lifted up. And therefore there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. A lot of benefits are done for people. But they render not again according to the benefit. Underline those words. Rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. What benefit has been done to you? What benefit has been rendered to you? You must render according to the benefit that is done to you. That is why we institute pastor's appreciation day. Because you, you, you may not know, like I'm preaching here tonight. In a few hours I'll be standing at the flow prayer meeting. Leading people in front. Most of you will be asleep whilst I'm leading the prayer meeting. You may wake up later and then rewind and watch and pray and so on. All that. But you don't know what is happening and what is involved for somebody or for certain things to exist. And people don't even render again. You know, one time I went to preach somewhere and uh, when I finished preaching, I left the church. I went and the pastor said thank you and he did whatever he felt was appropriate. Now, it was actually inappropriate what he did. You see, but I didn't say anything because I felt that he doesn't know. Now, some years later, he came to see me, the same pastor. And this time, he was trying to render again according to the benefit done. And when he met with me, and rendered to me according to the benefit done to him. He said, I feel like such a fool. I was such a fool. I I didn't know what I was doing. That's why I've come here today just for this. To render again according to the benefit done to me when you came to visit. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was your visit. What it meant. And the effect of your visit. I didn't know the meaning of it. So, everyone has to be taught sometimes. And sometimes you have to tell children, say thank you. Say thank you. The other day I organized one of my children for a special ceremony. Say thank you. I said, organize, say, say it. Say thank you to me. For what I've given to you. Say thank you. Say it, say it, then say this, then say this, then say it. That's how to say thank you. But they don't know. 
Yes. So people are burdened because they are ungrateful. And number two, they betray. People betray. Now, betray means suddenly they change. Now, this, this is difficult. Because if you suddenly change, you see, it's like in marriage. I marry you, then it's like when I get a pot belly, then you've changed your mind. I marry you, then when you, your, 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 your features change, then you also change. Or maybe nothing has even changed. I'm even more beautiful. I'm more beautiful than when we started. But you've suddenly changed. And, and the, the change is mysterious. Very mysterious. It's, it makes people uncertain when they are relating with others. It, it makes it difficult. Because you don't know, should I, should I, should I trust you? Do you see? Can I relax? So, but that person, when I loved him and I blessed him and I did this, look at what he said and what he did later. So when you see somebody, I will not do that again. So that's why people don't want to get up and go the extra mile. You take people into, people are taken into people's houses, come and stay. Then, I've had, I've had people in my house. I've, I've, I've housed people that I didn't know. I, must, I once met somebody I had not met him before. I kept him in my house for a long, for, for, I mean, long times. I've hosted people, different things. One day I, I, I had somebody in my house. Then later I heard him saying something that everybody in my house, everything in my house has a reason. That's a purpose. Even the cat, it has a, a, a purpose. The dog, it has a purpose. I was wondering that, ah, is that what you learned when you came to my house? Is that what you learned when you came to my house? Yes. I've hosted people. They eat anything they want. They'll go to the kitchen. They open the fridge. They open this. They start frying things. Cooking. Yeah, because they are, they are also staying in the house. They are staying in the house. They are feeling free. They eat, they cook. Then later on, change completely into a monster. I mean, then you later ask yourself, can you, do you want to take somebody else to your house? When you meet somebody, say, look, you know something? Do you know any hotel I can rent for you over at that place? That's why people don't want to care for people because people change and it's like, ah, when you were receiving, you were very humble like a mouse. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, oh daddy, thank you. Oh, 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 you've changed my life. I'm so great. I don't know what I would have done with that. I don't know what they did. I don't know. Then suddenly a change comes. Oh, yes. So betrayal. Number three, because people are burdened because people are wicked. Ah, oh, people are wicked. I mean, when you say wicked, it's only that maybe sometimes people don't have the instruments to kill. I remember one pastor, he had an assistant, and he decided to go for family holiday. 
Now, the family holiday was six weeks. And he went to America for six weeks. So he left the assistant. Why not? You should even want your pastor to go for holiday for three months. This was only six weeks. Long vacation is three months. Long vac is three months. But this was six weeks. And he went with his family. When he came back, the assistant pastor, I think when he came on Tuesday, the pastors came to see him on Wednesday that here's a letter. I said, what letter? He said, oh, this is my resignation. God has told me to leave the church. He said, what? God has told me to leave the church. I trusted the church to you, everything. The first day I've come, the first day I arrive in the night, the morning, you say you are leaving. He said, oh, yeah, this ah." Why don't you give me just even one week to settle down? He said, no. God has told me I have to leave now. So he left. Now, the church had 3,000 members. When he left, uh, the pastor told me himself. Not that somehow I read it in the book. The pastor, he's sitting here. I'm sitting here. He was telling me. He said, 3,000, all the 3,000 members left the church with him. And he was left with 18 members, including himself, his wife, his children, and up to 18. Wicked, oh. The whole church left. So the six weeks holiday that he went, that's why some people don't go for holiday. The six weeks holiday that he went, that's it. The guy took all the members away. I don't know, he went from house to house talking to them. What he did. People are wicked. So you, you see, there are people who say, you know, one time we went to Singapore for a bishop's meeting. So on, and on Sunday, we said, oh, they should visit other churches. So they went. So oh, this famous man of God is there. This famous man of God. So they went to different churches. So when they came back, I asked them, oh, how was it? So it was great. So the pastor was there, the famous pastor you see on television. He said, oh, no. It was a video. Yeah, because the pastor is on holiday. When he's on holiday, nobody preaches. It's video that preaches till he returns. Yes. Video preaches for six weeks. Video will preach and you come. Yes. He doesn't want to go when he comes. You say only 18 members are left. So, sometimes when people are experienced, they act in a funny way and you wonder, why are you not so kind? Why? Why? Is it that I've done something? <laughs> people are wicked. Yes. Number four, people are burdened because they can abandon you suddenly. Sometimes with a smile, they will smile and say, Yes, you know, it is, uh, you know, God, God is, God is great. I mean, God is so kind, you know. God, the way he speaks is just wonderful. I mean, I was there, he was just speaking, he was just speaking, speaking. it was just flowing. It, it seems he wants me to go. He wants me to go and it's just, it's just, I mean, God, the Holy Spirit is, I feel the presence, the presence, wants me to leave and I just I just want to flow with him <laughs> flow with the Lord hey all 
this he is telling you that he's abandoning you suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. Okay, Charlie, he's leaving. This is one of the first books I wrote. I, I wrote it more than 20 years ago. Listen, and I'm, I'm just reading it out to you. Oh, yeah, it's still true today. You will experience it all too. That's why pastoral work is. That's why pastors get old and they have pot bellies. It's one of the reasons of pot bellies and premature aging. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 10 For Demoth has forsaken you. People are burdened because they are equalizers. They are disrespectful. You see, one in Miriam and Aaron speak against Moses and said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Has he not also spoken by us? You see, one of the things in the ministry is that unlike the bank, where, okay, if you are a graduate, you are not a graduate, you wear uniform. If you are a graduate, you wear mafti. Do you understand? Or in the army, if you are a graduate, you start from lieutenant, then you go up. And it's clear. In the ministry, anybody can be called. So you have cleanness. Everybody is called. We are all pastors. We say, pastor, we are all called of God. So in the ministry, there's a lot of equalization. So some pastors go to find a tailor. You, they, they find a special tailor who can make a suit that no one has seen before. Yes! So that you see there's a difference between me and you. Because that tailor will, the, the, the suit that he will sew and the style of the suit. Yes. Yes. And they will wear shoes that you haven't seen before. Cobra skin shoes. Viper shoes. Alligator shoes. Different types of shoes. And these are intentionally done. They carry swords. They have rings, bracelets, and all these things. Because people are equalizing. So they, are, they want to wear a bracelet so that you see that the gold that is on my thing, on my hand, where is yours? One time I went for a crusade. Thousands of people came to preach. Uh, came to the crusade. Thousands. Then a pastor came to see one of the crusade directors and told him, hey, today I have seen something. This was the last day. He wore the same shoe every day. He couldn't believe it. That an anointed person would wear the same shoe every day. I never knew they were watching my shoes. But you see, the shoes make a difference. Yes. So that you know that we are not the same. People, I mean, I understand why people, I know I don't do those things because it's not, it's not comfortable for me. Not that I don't like it. If I wear that gold bracelet, my skin will even itch. So that's, I don't even wear it. But there's a reason why people do it. And I understand them. Because no, you want to say that we are the same. It's not, you don't say it too, but it's in your head. <laughs> That we are all the same. After, are we not all reverent? 
Are we not all called bishop? Are we not all pastors? Are we not all men of God? What the deal? Why is your car bigger than mine? Why is your car smaller than mine? You preach, I preach. You quote John 10 and verse 11. I also quote it. That's why pastors also try to get bigger. One day I saw a pastor. His car was very big. Like very, very, very big. I don't know whether it was nine, nine seats. Very big. Hey. He was trying to overcome the members. They were trying to equalize him. In one of the towns in Ghana, I saw that. Yeah. In Ghana, one of the, I mean, the car was very big. And I realized that he was trying to stabilize the church with the car. Miriam and Aaron, they said, but God has spoken. We are all men of God. We are all men of God. We are all men of God. God called me too. Yes. So it takes a lot. It takes a lot. It takes a lot. People want to equalize all the time. But orangus are like that. So, ah. Orangs. But you'll never be called an orangu. Amen. So may the Lord grant you the grace to share the burden. Oh yes. Oh yes. These are interesting points. People are a burden because they are disobedient. Rebellious. And number seven, because they don't understand things. Don't understand things. Are you there? Now, I told you I was giving you ten points. How many points have I given? Four points. Number five. You must take up the spiritual burden. Amen. Matthew chapter nine, verse 36. The Bible says in Matthew 9, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Now, one of the things that I see is that you need to be spiritual. Okay? You need to be what? Spiritual. Spiritual. Have you seen the feeling that comes when you've prayed for a long time? That feeling is a spiritual feeling. Uh, that feeling, the spiritual feeling. How many realize that you don't often feel like that? So what it means is that you are not spiritual most of the time. Yes. Yes. You are not spiritual most of the time. And it's affecting you. So you need to become a spiritual person. That's why something like flow, you, you can take advantage of it. Because you realize that you would have just slept. Most of the flows you would have slept. How many have been joining flow prayer meeting? How many have not been joined? Because you don't have to tell lies. We are in church. But I, would, I want to encourage you to join the flow church. And join the flow prayer meeting. Yes. Take your phone. Take any gadget. Join it. Why? Get your Bluetooth speaker. Because it's an opportunity to pray. I am telling you that unless you are spiritual, you cannot sustain the shepherding work. I'm telling you. You see, 
I have missionaries that we sent, but they had the when they hear go into all the world to preach the gospel. Ah, we are going, but they were not spiritual. What do I mean by not spiritual? I mean that feeling that you have. I'm telling you, is a sense of your connection to the spirit world. Yes, because the Bible says, "Build up yourself, praying in the Holy Ghost." When you when you pray in the Holy Ghost. You rise in the spirit and you are nearer the spirit world. You, you build up and you get closer to the spirit realm. And you have, you come closer to angels of his presence. There are several types of angels that God created on the first day. In the beginning, first day he created heaven. And there were about seven categories of angels. Angels, but two of them come around for people who seek the Lord. There's an angel of his presence and angel of sanctification. Yes. you notice that there are some angels who are only in the presence of God. And there are angels who cry, holy, holy, holy. So there are angels of sanctification and angels of the presence. And those angels, you don't see them when you don't pray. And you don't come near his presence. Yes. Those two angels, those two types of angels, you don't see them in their life. A person who is not prayerful, I'm telling you, that feeling, we've prayed that, we've been praying for two hours, we've been praying for three hours, that feeling, that feeling, that spirituality. I don't want to give you any mysteries. That, that is spirituality. That's when you feel spiritual. Because your spirit has been built up and you, you sense a closeness to the spirit world. That feeling. And so, that's why sometimes you feel dry. Sometimes when you sin or you do certain things, you feel, I mean, you feel what? Dry. <laughs> and it takes time. It takes time to get to a certain point. It's because you are depleted spiritually. Yeah. Yes. That feeling is what you don't have much of. And that is why a lot of things don't work in a spiritual way for you. That's all. So, you need to take up the spiritual burden. Amen. The next one, number seven, oh, number six. All right. John chapter 10, verse 11. You need appointment. You need to be a good shepherd. John chapter 10 verse 11, it says, I am the good pointman. Amen. I'm the good what? Pointman. You need to learn what it is to be a pointman. Everyone must have and learn pointman. A good shepherd. For me, I like looking after people, naturally, I mean, in the realm of the spirit. But one day my mother asked me, because I, something bad had happened to somebody, so I said, oh, this has happened. She said, ah, how do you know people, all these problems? I said, because I'm a pastor. All people's problems are my problems. 
Yes. I wish God would give you that thing in your heart. Yes. I wish God would give you that thing in your heart. To look after people. Yes. Which means not to look after yourself. Yes. Oh, sit down, sit down, sit down. You know, one day I was crying to God. Do you know what my prayer was? I will not, I don't think, do you, I think maybe, I, I, I think I have to talk, I have to say this, I'm saying too many things, I, I have to say, I have to keep it to myself. One day I was praying to God, and I said, Lord, I've looked after so many people. Will you not also look after me and my issue? Yes. Because that's my work. Caring for people and helping people. Especially in the work of God. In the Most of my sheep are pastors. Yes. I pray that God will give you a heart to care for people who are not your biological relative. You know, one day I met a pastor. Every day he was talking, he said, auntie this, sister this, cousin this. So one day I told him that a pastor is not only about aunties. (laughs) Uncle this, auntie this, cousin this, relatives. His his understanding of ministry was to care for relatives. Ministry is way beyond relatives. One has been my sheep for 35 years and more. Yes, but I don't, I don't think I'm related to her biologically. We can check after church, but I don't think so. Yes. God should touch your heart so that people that are not your relatives, you love them. You know, one day I was surprised. We were building some churches. Ketekrachi, Rara, um, Jasikan, KJB. And somebody came and said, thank you for remembering our area. I said, our area? Which area is your area? <laughs> we are not into areas. We, we are building church. It does not occur to me that this area is for this group. This area is for this is it's part of the it's part of the it's part of the nation, it's part of whatever. Don't be a relatives pastor. Eh? Relatives, areas. Open your heart. Open your heart. And let God make you a good shepherd for many, many people. Amen. The art of shepherding. How many points have I given you? Six. Number seven. There are different levels of the anointing of the shepherd. There are different levels of the anointing of the shepherd. What do I mean by different levels? In 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 9.
Elisha said, I pray for a double portion. That means that you can have measurements two of it. So there are levels of pastors' anointings. Levels. That's why some people, when you do your pastoral work, ah, it will never cross 70. Yes. Because you, that's the level that you are at. And that's why Elisha asked for a double portion. He said that this thing that you are doing, eh, this ministry, eh, I want a portion twice of that in the realm of the spirit. So in the realm of the spirit, every shepherd has a certain level. Yes. And that's the level at which your shepherding anointing can reach those number of people. That is why a shepherd should seek the anointing. Because there's levels in everything. You see, even when you take men of God, there are community men of God. There are area men of God. Then there are community men of God. Then there are town men of God. Then there are city-wide men of God. Then we have national men of God. Then we have international men of God. Then we have world-renowned men of God. Young Cho was a world-renowned man of, man of God. Ora Roberts was world-renowned. Kenneth Hagin was world-renowned. There are not many world pastors now. Most pastors are community pastors or area pastors. Yes. But I see an international world anointing of a shepherd coming upon your life today in the name of Jesus. Different levels. Different le- As for Elijah, he's the cleverest person when it comes to anointing. He saw through the whole thing. Say, oh, this one is anointing. That is working. As you see me standing here and enjoying the church here, I've never seen this church before. Never. This is my first time. I'm just enjoying something. It's supernatural. I'm enjoying something. May you be anointed in the name of Jesus. How many points have I given you? Number eight. Ministry, work or rest. Now, you must recognize that the ministry is work. And the ministry of a shepherd is divided into four. PVCI. Prayer, visitation, counseling, and interaction. This is the work of a shepherd. It is work. Now, it is work. Because to pray is work. To visit is work. To counsel and to teach it. Like I'm, I'm working. I'm working as I'm talking. I'm working. It's work. You think I don't know this? I've preached it already. I know it, but I'm preaching it to you fresh baked. Fresh baked. Yes. It is hard work to pray. Hard work to visit. Hard work to teach. Hard work to interact. Sometimes when I'm interacting with people, I am tired of interacting, but I have to interact. I have to interact. Sometimes you have to take pictures. You have to take, uh, lay hands on people. You have to sit quietly. You have to talk to them. You have to be sorry with whatever is so sorry about. You have to pray. Everything, it is work. Ministry is work. 
So this chapter says, is ministry work or is rest? It is work. And the work of a shepherd is PVCI. So if you are looking for titles, eh? titles, just I want a titled pastor, then go somewhere else. But here, there is work. Here we work. Yes. So are you ready for the work? That's why I say that when you are old, you can't do this work. Yeah, you can't do this work. You can't do this work. You have to try to remain young in your heart. Uh-huh. And then also, if you want to start the work, you have to start it as a young person. Uh, because it, it is hard work. One day I saw a brother, he was 40. I, I forget how old he was. I don't know exactly, but he was old. I mean, 40 something, getting to 50. I don't know how old exactly he was. Because he died in his 50s. So he was, I think he was in his 40s. And he went to start a church. It was not easy. He tried. Then later I came and said, he's now a motivational speaker. Because the church work is not a small thing. And at his age, it was not not easy. He just became a motivational speaker. So if you want to do this work, either you are young. That's why these days, pastors are wearing younger clothes because the older they look, the already it matches with their tiredness. <laughs> oh yes. Receive the grace to do the work. Yeah, yeah. You know, but shepherding work is Monday is uh, six days a week. Yes, six days. One day off. Yes. A real shepherd. You say there's nothing to do on Tuesday. Uh, there's nothing to do on Tuesday. You are, you are resting on Wednesday. You are not serious. Yeah. Have you seen a hospital that's closed on Wednesdays? It's closed on Tuesdays. It's always open. Because it's dealing with people. Yes, through the night. Yes. Holidays. Christmas Day. You go to restaurants. You see they are working Christmas. That's the cocoa season. And the time that people are there. How can you be a shepherd and on Sunday you are snoozing in the house watching soccer? You are watching Champions League. Huh? Premier League. You are not serious. When there are souls. You are watching movies. Netflix on Sunday, Saturday, you are not doing rehearsal, you are watching Netflix and movies and pornography. Amen. Are you listening to me? Oh, yes. I see many great shepherds. Coming out of this amazing conference. How many are going to do the work? Yes. And work is repetitive. Yes. If you are doing real work, it's always the same thing over and over. Same thing. Amen. But that is the, that's what we love. Amen. How many points have I given you? Eight. Number nine. You have to develop your ability to preach and to teach. 
Amen. To do what? To preach and to teach. Amen. It's a basic skill. It's like the skill of driving a car. It's a basic skill. If you can you don't know how to do it in some way. Have you ever been in somebody's car that the car always looks like it's going this way, then it comes back? Do you know any driver like that? Driver, they go like this as if it's going this way, then it's going this way, then it's coming to the middle, then it's going to the side. Do you, do you know anybody like that? Sometimes these people don't get accidents. No, they don't. They never seem to get accidents, but it's nerve-wracking to sit in their cars. But it's a basic skill to know how to drive. And every one of you must learn how to preach. And if you learn how to preach, it will, have, it will affect you. And in the book, what it means to become a shepherd, you see that it will affect you at work. Yes. One day, one of our church members, he was a lawyer abroad, and uh, the boss wasn't around. But the, the people, clients came. And he called and said, do, do the presentation. Start. I'm coming. I'm almost there. Start. Because I'm late. So he started. When the boss came, the boss came into the room. Then he just sat at the back. And he watched the guy. The guy was speaking, explaining, talking. After, he, he decided to not interrupt. Let him finish. Then after he said, ah. It seems you are good at public speaking. That was what even started to elevate him in the job. He said, no, I'm a pastor. He didn't even, he didn't even tell them that he was a pastor. He said, I'm a pastor. I'm always standing in front of people and talking. It will affect you when you are talking to your children. It will affect you when you are negotiating. It will affect you in so many ways because you've learned how to preach. And you've learned how to teach. Because preaching is the art of persuading. Paul said, we persuade men. We persuade men. So may you become a master preacher. You know, I I always say that you rarely find a great man of God who is not a great preacher. There are some. But mostly a great man of God like Archbishop Duncan Williams or Reverend Eastwood, they are good preachers. You, you can sit down and listen to them and be happy. Yes. Usually they can talk. They can preach well. Yes. They can, they can preach. And, and, and God is going to raise you up. You must be able to pull your chair like this. Give me one chair. Put it on the stage for me, please. You must be able to put your chair. Bring it to the back. Yeah. Put it this way. Bring me four chairs. Four more chairs. Any four chairs. Bring me five chairs. Bring me six chairs. Arrange them here. This is a shepherd. This is a shepherd. No, just around. Around, yes. Not too close, not too close, yeah. Six, yeah. Sit down, guys, sit down, guys. Since you came on stage. All right. And, and talk to the people. 
This is a shepherd. You see, talking is your work if you are a shepherd. Whether it's a large group, whether it's a small group, whether it's a big group, whether it's to a stadium, you talk and talk without notes. Without notes. Without reading. One day a pastor finished preaching and somebody in the congregation said something. He said that the president of that country eh, there's no difference between that pastor's preaching and the president when the president speaks. I don't want to tell you which country. I don't want to tell you who. I don't know whether he was trying to say that there was no anointing or whether he was trying to say that it was like a motivational speaker. Because obviously the president doesn't shepherd, he doesn't do shepherding. There was no grace. May you have this chair and sit down. This is how I started my shepherding work. I sit down with people like this and then we'll be talking. I'm not afraid of groups at all. There's no group by the grace that I'm afraid of. I sit down with them. Let's talk. And I was, one day, one, past, one of my pastors said, what do you talk to the people about? What are you saying? We can talk. That's the shepherding work. I remember one time I was driving to Mali. From Accra to Mali. We never played even one uh, integrity music. Hosanna, Hosanna, never. Talking in the car. Talking, talking from Accra to Mali. Oh, yes. And other people's cars in the convoy, they are all asleep. Except my car. My car is a meeting. My car is a what? It's a meeting. May you be anointed to have meetings. Small meetings. You see, a person who doesn't have anointed of a shepherd is afraid of this group. When he says that, what will I say? Because I've been there where I was afraid. Okay. Hey, I used to have notes. Even if you are six, I have to have my notes. Because the words will get finished. One day I was having a group like this and I, I quoted the wrong scripture. When I opened it, I almost reweeded it. In the, in the, in the, in the. <laughs> That's why I'm telling you that a real shepherd is not afraid. When the anointing increase on me, I'm not afraid of any small group again. Hallelujah. When, when I'm preaching at, in a large crowd at a stadium, it's like I'm talking to six people. Yes. If you watch me preaching at the crusade, you see that I'm explaining something. I'll tell stories as though they are just a few people. I see somebody catching the anointing of the shepherd. Let me tell you, look, I, I'm not trying to say anything about prophets. Because I love, my favorite people are prophets. Yes. Yes. But shepherding uh, that's what was Jesus was. He said, good shepherd. Shepherding is the heart of Jesus. said, do you love me? Feed my sheep. You love me. It's your sign of your love for, for God is to be a shepherd. I pray that you'll be a good shepherd. God bless you. You can take the system. And finally, Number 10. 
I cannot believe that I'm here at this time. Oh, yes. You must decide to become a full-time shepherd. First Corinthians chapter one. Full time. Amen. You see, everyone must have an all out mind. Yes. There is nothing you will not do, even if it is not required of you. And so in Genesis, I was telling Corinthians, but I want to rather go to Genesis. In Genesis chapter 22, God told Abraham, come with Isaac. And he climbed a mountain at the age of 90. Huh? Some of you, you are even 30, you can't climb anything. But Abraham climbed the mountain. And as he climbed the mountain, he was going to sacrifice himself. But God didn't really want him to sacrifice but it's like you have to ask the question. There are a lot of things that are tests. There are questions I ask people all the time. They are tests. It's just to see what you say. Yes. Just to see what you say. But God wants to know what you will do and what you will not do. Amen. Amen. Can you imagine having a person who is coming to be a house help in your house and then she says, I can't. For the interview, I can do everything. No problem. But from 11.30 in the evening, I, I sleep up to 5. I don't want to be disturbed between 11.30 and 5. Until ya. She closes at what time? 8 p.m. What does she sell? Ah, she looks after children in the house. She closes at 8 p.m. I'll do anything, but I close by 8. Huh? Immediately you will lose the job. Because you are not prepared to be called. So every one of you here, all of you young children, let me tell you, the best job is ministry. No, I thank God I've been to school. I thank God I've been to medical school. I was just invited to speak at Legon. I, I just uh, finished giving a seminar at Legon. I was invited by the, the chaplaincy to speak at a service this afternoon. Oh, yes. Professors, vice chancellors, this, 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 they were all there. Oh, yes. I've been to school. And when I was preaching, I was explaining the school that I went to. I'm an alum, alumnus of the school. Oh, yes. I thank God. But the best job, the beautiful job, the best job, the privilege, the privilege is the ministry. Yes, the ministry. It's the highest job. But after church, after church, ask Dr. Go whether it's easier to be a pastor or a doctor. And he'll tell you, hundred times more difficult to be a pastor. 
And the most difficult thing is to make your church grow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I, I personally find it the most difficult part of the oh, world. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, to make the church grow. Hey. If you are a bit old, you see hey. that you can't do it again. May the Lord bless you with growing churches. How many are blessed with 10 things that you should know about shepherding? Now, you get all these 10 things in this book. Where is the book? Somebody know what it means to be a shepherd. Is it in this group? Now, on the other side. I was preaching from the book. The 10 things are 10 chapters in the book. The 10 things are 10 chapters. 10 of the chapters. All right? Beautiful. There are 14 chapters. Full-time ministry. Oh, yes. It's the best. Better than any job. Every standing, lift your hands. Father, thank you for your power, your blessing, and your word. May there be many, many shepherds released in this church. May they grow and become mighty trees. Mighty trees. We love you, Father. We dedicate ourselves to spirituality and to becoming carers of people, carers of the people, carers of God's people. Bless everyone with this beautiful love. Only you can impart it to us, Lord, the heart of a shepherd. Thank you for this amazing blessing. Put your hand on your heart and receive the heart of a shepherd. Receive the heart of a shepherd. Oh, yes, Father. Thank you for the heart of a shepherd that is imparted to your children this evening. And anyone watching online, be blessed with the heart of a shepherd. What it means to be a shepherd. May you rise and become a great, great shepherd. Receive this impartation. Oh, yes. There's somebody here living in sin. Grieve your sin. And the Lord is saying to you that you will soon be uncovered and destroyed permanently. So, repent of it now. Or else, uh, you'll be destroyed in a way that you cannot come out, recover again. So, end the evil and come out. There's somebody here like that or maybe more than one person. Receive that word right now. Father, thank you for the blessing of your holy word today. We love you. We praise you. We give you thanks. In the mighty name of Jesus. Anyone who wants to be in full-time ministry, come to the front. Full-time ministry. If there's somebody here who wants to be in full-time ministry, come to the front. Okay, just lift your hands. I'm praying one prayer. If you are here, if you are a young person, you are whatever you desire to be in full-time ministry.
Lift your hands. Father, all those who have come to the front, I pray. I pray that you touch their lives. I pray for every hand that is lifted up. That you bless them with the opportunity to serve you full time. One day. Lord, there are many, many doors to full time ministry. But my prayer, Lord, is that all the doors will swing open. And as the doors swing open, they will be able to walk through those doors. They will go through the doors. And then they will come to a a, a place that is clear. Now, when they see the clear place, they will see a few more doors. And when they see the doors in their lives, they will choose the right door. Somebody is receiving the grace to choose the right door. Choose the right door. Yes. So when you choose the right door and you go through, you come to your field, the field that you are called to. In the field, there'll be a lot of green, 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 green grass, which means freshness. Freshness will characterize your ministry because you chose the right door. Then after the freshness, there will be growth. There will be growth. Receive the grace to grow. The grace to increase. And the grace to become what you can become in God as you serve him persistently, continuously. Now, to choose the right door, receive from heaven the grace to choose. To choose. Oh, yes, I see choices. Choices. Choose the right door. Be blessed. Now, somebody is holding a door. No. And you are holding the right door. But somebody is holding a door. It's a golden door. Golden handle. But it is not the right door. Because it is a golden handle that has deceived you. That this golden handle is a good door. Because it is golden. Therefore, do not be afraid of dark looking doors. Places that don't look inviting. But contain the will of God for you. May you walk away from deception. For the Lord is anointing you today. For his anointed shall not be deceived. Because of the anointing that is poured upon you. You will not be deceived. For you have held a door with a golden handle. But that's not the door. Receive the grace to see the right door. Disconnect your hand from that handle. And look up, my servant. Look up. For there's another door. That's the right door. The door that leads to the freshness of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Just give thanks to the Lord right now. Give thanks to the Lord. We give you thanks, Holy Spirit. We give you thanks, Holy Spirit, for leading us. 
leading us, leading us, leading us. Oh, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, before I take my seat, I want us to, if you are here, you haven't given your life to Jesus. Maybe somebody invited you, but you are not born again. I want you to lift your hand and come to me. You, haven't, you are not born again. You've not given your life to Jesus. Wave your hand. And I want to pray with you to give your heart to God today. If you are here like that, lift up your hand like this and come to me now. I'm giving you one second to come now because this is an opportunity. I always give you opportunity to be saved. I want to give your life to Jesus. Come. Lift your hands. Everyone join in and let's say this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. I give my life to you. I give my heart to you. Please write my name in the book of life. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you. Wash me with the blood of Jesus. Cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. I receive Jesus as my Savior and my Lord tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. All right, this way. This way. Come this way. I believe you were to dedicate the church. Where is the oil? Ah, you have what? There's a plaque. Okay. The plaque is outside. All right. So we, we just dedicate the church first. Is that so? Now we are dedicating the church. Dedication is a prayer. Amen. So we have dedicated this church, so we are dedicating it. So shall we stand to our feet? And after that, we're going out to unveil the plaque. Father, doctor, stand by my side. Doctor, stretch your hands out. Pray over this church that it will always be a church until Jesus returns. Father, we dedicate this building for your glory, for the art of shepherding, pastoring loving people caring for the lost we dedicate this building for evangelizing we dedicate this building for soul winning we dedicate this building for the work of ministry in Jesus name we pour oil onto this sanctuary and we say that it is now a holy ground it is for church and church only it's for the work of God it's a holy place. Now lift your hand. May angels ascend from here with our prayers to heaven. 
And may angels descend with answers from heaven. By this oil, I command and declare that the entire premise shall be holy and sanctified to the Lord. Everyone who comes will come again. There shall be church growth here. There shall be increase here. There shall be blessings here. Every evil eye that looks upon us here goes blind. In Jesus' name. The blessing of the Lord is in this house. And we dedicate this church to Jesus Christ. To the honor of Jesus, the Son of God. Who loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. To you, O Lord, we dedicate this building. May it always be a holy tabernacle. May hands be lifted up here to praise you, O God. May worshippers praise you here. May young people fall in love with God in this place. May many, many be converted and turned to God in this place. Let this church never be empty. But let it be filled and full. Full and filled. In the name of Jesus. We bless all those who come here with a good heart and a good mind. And we declare that this church is dedicated from today to the glory of God. Every wicked eye and every evil mind that looks upon this place and this church with an evil intention is cursed as a protection for the church. That the church may increase. We rebuke all unreasonable and wicked men. Ah, the hand of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous. No wicked hand and wicked eye shall rest upon this church. In the name of Jesus Christ. And the pastor is also anointed along with his church. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This is holy ground. Everyone that comes here, let there be healing. Let there be gifts of the Spirit. Let there be fruits of the Spirit. Let there be salvations. Let shepherds be raised up here. Let many pastors be appointed here. Let bishops come out of this place. Let evangelists come out of this place. Let apostles come out of this place. Let teachers be released from here. In the name of Jesus, we bless the Maganai Cathedral. And we thank you, Father, that he who began a good work shall surely bring it to a perfect end. Let your blessings rest here. And because there is a blessing here, it cannot be destroyed. In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, I pray. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless Makane denomination. 
Amen. Everyone who is part of this is part of a blessing. Forever and ever. Whatever the Lord does, it shall be forever. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you for listening to this message. Visit www.daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events, and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every single day. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.